0: Foo Fighters drummer Taylor Hawkins is found dead as another tragic ending for an artist connected to so much of the music that made its way out of Seattle in the 1990s and into the mainstream. As we take a look at how the grunge movement really has been devastated by the sex, drugs and rock and roll lifestyle that it has perpetuated to the world. Stay with us as we look at this special edition of the 511 News so many fans are reeling from another loss of a musician that they have admired for their craft but what is really tragic is to see how this trail of blood has really been the foundation of the scene known as grunge you see it all started back in the early 90s and late 80s specifically when we look at The death of one famous artist after another, the conduit that was Nirvana. Come as you are, as you were, as I want you to be. Allowed grunge to go from being really popular in Seattle to the mainstream. We saw that with Nirvana and Kurt Cobain. But really, while Nirvana would prove to be the conduit that made the Seattle sound become mainstream, Mother Lovebone would be the conduit of despair that would follow the scene wherever it goes. Because you see, Mother Lovebone was one of the up and coming bands in Seattle. And when their frontman, Andrew Wood, died of a heroin overdose, it really was a heartbreaking endeavor for so many of the bands that were watching each other from show to show in Seattle. And you see, Andrew Wood and his death really did connect a lot of the bands that became famous to the point of even rock and roll Hall of Fame stardom coming out of Seattle. Because none other than Soundgarden's Chris Cornell would end up being bedside when Andrew Wood passed away. Because of his close relationship the father of Andrew Wood asked that Cornell would fly home and be bedside before they would pull the plug, and Cornell would be not only heartbroken but moved to create a tribute band titled Temple of the Dog. I'm going that band would take a number of the members of Mother Love Bone and also add in an up-and-coming singer by the name of Eddie Vedder. And that band would not only produce a very popular album of their own, but then would break off away from Cornell and actually form the band Pearl Jam. Which would also become a rock and roll Hall of Fame act. And not only would Pearl Jam come and have multiple platinum albums, but Chris Cornell himself, who was already in Soundgarden and about to really hit the stage, that would really start the trail of sadness and despair from the sex, drugs, and rock and roll of the grunge scene. And a lot of people may not know what grunge music is or why it has its title and so forth, but grunge really was a mixture of, of heavy metal and punk music. And so when you had punk music and heavy metal, there was this grunge scene that was in the middle, and it really was a name that was given to them that many of the artists didn't like themselves. And the popularization of these bands really came with the likes of Nirvana. But band, bands like Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, and so forth would prove to be monumental in making this movement mainstream. All of these bands being touched, sadly, with despair. Chris Cornell himself, starting the band Soundgarden, would prove to be one of the biggest artists, not only from Soundgarden's fame, but also moving on into Audioslave, a band that was actually made out of a number of the members, including Tom Morello, of Rage Against the Machine. Interestingly enough, another band out of Seattle was none other than Alice in Chains. And, in and Alice in Chains frontman, Lane Staley, was actually offered the frontman position for Audio Slave before Chris Cornell took it. And Lane Staley never even made it to the tryout because at that time he was ultimately in hibernation. You see, Alice in Chains was one of the bigger bands in the 1990s with songs like The Rooster and Man in a Box and so forth. And these songs were huge, but Lane Staley himself was a heroin addict, was a drug addict, and in fact, There are multiple interviews of him saving people from their own drug overdoses, but here you can hear Lane Staley talking about heroin, the use of it, and really ultimately running from and trying to cheat death. When you have a problem with heroin, does it automatically make you think about death because you're playing with your life a lot? Yeah, I suppose that comes with the territory, flirting with, with death and... And that's probably what's most attractive about it at first is the danger. You know? But I beat it. I beat death. Ah, I'm immortal. Sadly, Staley would not prove to be immortal and not only would he not make the tryout for Audio Slave, but in fact, Lane Staley would die of his heroin overdose at a very young age and he was actually in hibernation for a number of years where people did not see him and when he ...did pass away, he was found a shell of himself and literally with jars of feces and urine around him. The sex, drugs, and rock and roll lifestyle that so many are promised, even the ones where stardom has occurred, has literally led people down this very path. And the effect that guys like Chris Cornell would have after joining Audioslave and Audioslave putting out three major albums, very popular... Would End and Chris Cornell himself would have this major effect on a number of bands, even going as far as Linkin Park frontman Chester Bennington saying that Chris Cornell welcomed him as a family member. And Chris himself struggled with depression for most of his life, and he himself was found dead in a hotel room in Detroit after a show on May 18, 2017 only to be followed by, as mentioned, Chester Bennington. Just a few weeks later, after performing at Chris Cornell's funeral, Bennington himself would take his own life as well, just as Cornell did. So as we look at this, as we kind of go through this timeline, starting with Mother Love Bone and then seeing the tragedy of Andrew Wood dying and that band breaking up, obviously, after the lead singer dying— and then becoming not only a part of Pearl Jam with Eddie Vedder, but then you have this break-off over here where Temple of the Dog plays Chris Cornell, the singer alongside Eddie Vedder, then goes back to Soundgarden. Chris Cornell would later take his own life. Lane Staley from Seattle once again being a part of this Seattle Sound, also dying and ultimately taking his own life. As he was hibernating away from everyone, taking drugs. Chester Bennington, the connection with Chris Cornell, taking his own life. This sex, drugs, and rock and roll lifestyle was simply going forth and annihilating people. And as we mentioned, Mother Lovebone, as the conduit by which so many of these major bands are connected, when it comes to them all becoming mainstream, you cannot get around the fact that Nirvana was the one who really did make all of these guys mainstream with their album, Nevermind, and hits like Smells Like Teen Spirit. And in fact, when Chris Cornell was asked, why did Nirvana hit so well? Why did people look at Nirvana and say, you know what? This is the band I want to listen to, and they go right to the top of the charts. And bands like Soundgarden, and bands like Pearl Jam, and bands like Allison Chains begin being signed and being put going up the charts as well. Why was it? What was going on? And what he said was that when you looked at bands like White Snake, you had White Snake dressed up uh, almost like women, right? <laughs> as they dress up. And then they would have their supermodel wife dancing on top of their Jaguar and really in a life unattainable for so many people watching and wanting that. But then Smells Like Teen Spirit comes on and you see these guys in flannels and t-shirts and they look like the guys who were getting picked on at school like you were. And the truth is when it comes to the grunge scene and so much of the music is that this is the therapy of so many of these artists when they are singing these songs after being bullied and so forth in high school or whatever it may be, many of which became dropouts. But they were not like White Snake. They were were not like Poison and these other bands that were these big hair bands in the late 80s and early 90s. But they themselves were normal, quote-unquote, people that had their own problems and anxieties. And instead of casting them on someone who can truly take away those burdens and take away, away those anxieties, they thought that screaming and singing about them would provide for them a purpose and a hope that it simply did not provide. And that has been the truth over and over and over again. And it's interesting when we look at some of the artists and they talk about what their music really meant, is specifically when we look at the words of Chris Cornell talking about what he felt when he heard that Kurt Cobain had taken his own life and really the connection between the music scene and the music that they were making and the death of one of their own. The bass player, Tad, came in and told us, he just kind of barged in was emotional and started talking about um, the reports that they had found Curtin, but they weren't sure if it was him or not, um, but it was, you know, and, We all got very emotional, it was very surreal, we weren't home, we weren't around any people we knew. I guess in a sense, we could all take solace in the fact that, especially Soundgarden, that we were sort of born from this idea that we played kind of dark, moody music and our identity, which in a sense kind of was a band that created the soundtrack for that weird, that type of weird, awful scenario. To describe the music, As the backdrop really of the melody of death and despair and the soundtrack of someone taking their own life, really does show you the spirit that is behind it. And Nirvana, while the band would end on that day, Nirvana would go on in another means by way of Dave Grohl, the drummer of Nirvana, starting the band Foo Fighters. which is a multi-platinum rock and roll band that is one of the big rock bands, the biggest, one of the biggest rock bands for the last 25 years. And Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters just finished recording their 10th studio album. And alongside of that album was a movie titled Studio 666. Now, Dave Grohl has come out because he made a lot of statements about while they were recording the album, all of the different haunting events that were taking place at the mansion, but he then said afterward that so much of it was publicity, that they were trying to talk up some of the hauntings that were going on to help publicity, not just for their album, but also for their movie, Studio 666, in which he becomes possessed and actually kills the members of his band. Sadly enough, he does kill none other than Taylor Hawkins, who, just a couple months after the release of the film, would also be found dead. Sadly, Taylor Hawkins was, in my mind, one of the easiest people to recognize from the band Foo Fighters, the easiest person outside of Dave Grohl when it comes to the recognition of the band. I think a lot of kids, I say kids, I say 20s, that play in rock bands think that you need to be sort of Keith Richards or or whatever. You need to be like that and you need to suffer for your art and you need to be tortured and you need to be dark and you need to be f***ed up to be cool. And me personally, I realize that that's a bunch of horse. Shit. I realize that to be a drummer, to be a good drummer, you have to be an athlete. <laughs> to take care of yourself and to have a good life you have to take care of yourself and I have children now I have a wife and I'm very normal do anything that would be considered rock star anymore really at all he himself Taylor Hawkins actually did heroin overdose in the early 2000s and had this quote to say about that event quote I used to do a lot of blanking drugs I believe the blank myth of live fast and die young. Sadly, although he had said he had learned a lesson back in the early 2000s, that lesson wasn't lifelong learned because he would ultimately pass away in a hotel room in Colombia. While they were supposed to be on tour going from Colombia and then following up in Brazil, he was found dead with over 10 different types of drugs in his system. While Dave Grohl and many others have used the devil as a means for publicity of otherwise, while other artists have clearly used the devil as a means for stardom by making Faustian packs and so forth, messing around with Satan is no laughing matter. And whether or not Dave Grohl has ever had haunting experiences, the truth is, is that from the foundation of the Seattle Sound, Satan has been moving a thread through them and ravaging through so much of the grunge scene as every one of these major bands that we've talked about have been touched by heroin overdosage or someone taking their own life. And the truth is, is that the Bible actually warns about this very thing. In Proverbs 8, 35 and 36, it warns, it promises those who do take from God's wisdom and warns those who push it aside. It says, for one who finds me, finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But one who sins against me, injures himself. And all those who hate me, love death. And this has seemingly been the case from making horror films to guys like Lane Staley bragging that they've been cheating death When it comes to heroin, and that is part of the fun, the truth is is that Satan has been using him. The Bible actually says in Ephesians 2.2 that the prince of the power of the air works through the sons of disobedience. Those who do not succumb to the will of God, those who do not come to the wisdom of the Lord, but sin against it, they ultimately injure themselves with drug overdoses and they truly do love death. They play around with death. They joke about it. But really, ultimately, it's knocking out the door at the door just as sin is. It tells us in the Scriptures that God actually spoke to Cain before he killed his own brother Abel. And he told him that sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you, but you must master it. And so when we look at a situation like this, when we see... The enemy's tentacles going out for to so many of these artists, using them and abusing them, and people taking it lightly, even the likes of Dave Grohl and others, and maybe you guys listening right now, maybe you're someone who loves this music, maybe you're a Christian who actually loves listening to all of this type of music, and you love the angst, and you love the anger by which they are singing with, and you love that they can just come and scream and hate against society and so forth. And you just love being able to do that. But realize this, that these people are being used by Satan. They're in an abusive relationship with Satan where he beats them down and barely gets them up enough as a puppet on a string, on a stage, to sing for him. And doing so, converting you to himself bringing you as you continue to meditate on darkness, to meditate on wickedness, while you are watching them go up and commit suicide, while you are watching them go up and kill themselves spiritually, and many of which are now killing themselves literally. You see, When it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ, Jesus says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. The Bible says that we are supposed to cast all our anxieties, all of our cares upon him. And while we look at the Seattle Sound today, we can also look at so many artists today, artists like Billie Eilish that sing about their depression and their demonic activity and the very wicked things that are under their bed and those demons that are haunting them. And instead of looking at them and feeling sorry for them and praying for them and praying that others will not be converted to Satan's side, instead of doing that, you are sitting there being entertained by it. You are watching someone dance with the devil and you are clapping and cheering them on. It is a heartbreaking thing to watch someone who does not know the Lord and to look at them as you just engage in this so-called entertainment only to know the demons that are ravaging through them the entire time on the backside you see jesus was very clear that the father that the father of these people is the devil the devil is the father of lies and so we also need to recognize that we are getting messages from them that we are meditating at the seat of scoffers, that we are sitting with those who scoff at the Lord, give him no time, and ultimately face their demise. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes, you fool, why shall you die before your time? So many of the younger men, this man, Taylor Hawkins, was 50 years old before he saw his end. And he thought he had learned the lesson of, I no longer believe in live fast die young but ultimately he was still trying to have his foot in the world his foot really was satan and thinking that that was going to be okay and this is exactly what happens when we don't have a true footing when we don't know Jesus Christ when we don't recognize his glory and what he has for us i don't i don't get angry when it comes to these artists, I feel absolutely devastated for them that they have this short amount of time on earth and guess what? They're missing out on Jesus Christ for all eternity. You know, it was a long time ago that the song was written by the Rolling Stones where they sang, time is on our side. Ultimately, it's not as they recently lost a member and guys like Keith Richards and Mick Jagger will be following suit. And this little life that we have right now, It shouldn't be spent years and years and years of meditating on wickedness, meditating on screaming at the world and yelling at it for the world being the world, and never turning to Christ. Let's use this opportunity. You have it right now. If you don't know Christ, let me give you the understanding right now. Maybe you clicked on this because you're a big fan of one of these bands. Maybe you're like, dude, I don't need your religious nonsense. I don't need that. But I'm telling you this right now. I used to be an atheist, I used to be into a lot of these bands, specifically Alice in Chains, and I used to love that. This is what I gloried under. These guys, Slipknot, Ozzy, and so forth. But there was a recognition that happened to me, and that was the fact that we actually live in a spiritual reality. We aren't, as many have said, moist robots. We aren't just simply brainwaves moving back and forth. We have thoughts and emotions. We have things that are outside of this physical realm, not only the emotions that we have, and so forth. And I'm not talking about simply agency and causation. And when I say that, what I, means, what I mean is, look, my brain waves do this. That means because they do it, it is the causation of that agency. That's not true, all right? You don't have likes and dislikes. You don't look at something and see beauty in it simply because brainwaves tell you to. We have a choice in these matters, And we also need to recognize what the Bible was very clear about, that we wrestle not simply against flesh and blood, but there are principalities, there are powers, there are things outside of the physical realm. And that realization needs to bring you to something. It needs to bring you to a breaking point, as it did me. I recognize that there's really evil, that there's our objective moral standards. And you think of just one. If you just have one, there's a standard to go back to. And you remember that rape is objectively, morally wrong, no matter when or where it happens, no matter the culture, it supersedes it. And I know that it's wrong because somebody is made in the image of God, and you are taking and stealing something from them. It's disgusting, and it's heartbreaking, and we know it's wrong. We know it's wrong because God has given us a conscience that bears witness against us, and we know it's wrong to kill babies until someone convinces us otherwise. We know that you shouldn't just grab babies and start kicking them like a soccer ball. You know that deep down. And that's because there's a spiritual realm. And we need to also recognize that there's only one risen king. You see, Jesus Christ died a horrible death. We are about to celebrate the Resurrection Sunday in a couple weeks here on the backside of what is known as the Passover, And when we do that, we are celebrating the fact that Jesus Christ is not somebody who said, you know what, I talked to a salamander in a bucket, you know, I went into a cave and I had this private meeting and I got some really good golden tablets or I talked to an angel and he didn't throw me off the side of a cliff or whatever. Jesus Christ died a public death, a crucifixion, excruciatingly in front of many witnesses on a walk path into Jerusalem with a placard above his head that they would hang above criminals' heads so that people would know full well, I don't want to commit that crime, I don't want to do that crime. And so Jesus died a public death, publicly in front of everyone, was pierced in his side and water came out because he was already dead. They didn't even have to break his legs to finish him suffocating. He was dead on that cross because the beating he took before he even went to it in excruciating pain. But he didn't stay dead. He rose again publicly, and I know that he did without a doubt, no doubt about it, because he had over 500 different witnesses. And not only that, not even his accusers, those who were against Jesus, had nothing to say about his resurrection, because this wasn't just one time where you saw him come up here and come up there a couple times, and maybe someone able was to fake it out. no. For 40 days and 40 nights he spent time with them giving him them many convincing proof eating and dining with them. So guess what? If Jesus did all of that publicly, I want to tell you right now, if you're a Christian, don't live out a Christian life privately. But if you're not a Christian, he did all that publicly why? So that you would know it's true. In 1 Corinthians 15, the promise of the afterlife is promised on the backside or really on the front side I should say is promised on the front side of the truth of Jesus Christ dying publicly and raising again publicly. So when Paul says there is an afterlife, we know it's true. We know this, that we will be resurrected because Jesus Christ himself was resurrected. And you know what he says in light of that? If Jesus Christ isn't resurrected, your preaching is useless useless, and so is your faith. You're going to die in your sins. But the truth is that Jesus Christ did raise from the dead, so you know that there's a spiritual reality, and you know there's only one person who predicted his death, predicted his resurrection, and then did it publicly. Jesus Christ of Nazareth two thousand years ago, died that death according to the scriptures for our sins, because each and every one of us have broken the law, and he said these words while he was on the cross on the cross, to tell us die, paid in full. That means that you, your crimes that you committed were paid in full at the cross by the blood of Jesus Christ. And guess what? So now, because Jesus Christ is God and died that public death on the cross, guess what? The blood of God, as it calls it in Acts 20, 28, made that payment. And guess what? He can now look at you and say it's been paid in full, but you have to do something. You have to look unto him and not believe that Jesus did something, but believe in the one who did it. Salvation is not found in an idea. Salvation is not found in a system. It's not found in a philosophy. It's found in a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. So that when God looks at you, he won't see you and all the sins you committed. He will see that you've put on the Lord Jesus Christ, and he will see Instead of you paying for what you've done and what you deserve for all eternity, committing these sins against an eternal God deserving eternal punishment, he will see Jesus Christ and he will see Tetelestai paid in full and he will say, enter in to the joy of the Lord. I pray that is true for you because I know it's true for me and I can't wait to be with my Jesus forever. This has been Chad Davidson and this is the 511 News. The 511 News with Chad Davidson has been brought to you by Good Fight Ministries, bringing you news and commentary from a Christian perspective. This show can be heard every Friday wherever podcast shows are available. Or visit 511news.org. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to being with you next week on the 511 News.